0: Right, folks, this is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. He is not here tonight. Uh, he is doing some work, but uh, uh, I'm here and I am joined by Dev Wakeley. He is a policy analyst for Alabama Arise. Dev, thank, uh, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: So... I wanted to talk to you about uh, HB 445, the, quote, anti-riot legislation, and, uh, you know, a lot of us get busy with a lot of different things, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a member of a couple different unions, I'm in the Labor Council here, I've got this show, and uh, this one just kind of slipped under my radar, and... Um, one of the reasons that it kind of slipped under my radar was because I thought I had heard an explanation of it given on conservative talk radio. I knew I disagreed with it, but still it didn't seem like... The way that it was presented on conservative talk radio was, oh, this is just going to be something that increases penalties for people who... Engage in assault and uh, engage in property destruction. Okay, I'm not for increased penalties at all. But I thought I understood it. Uh, this bill goes <laughs> a lot further than that. It is uh, it, it's significantly different than, than the way that it was it was presented. So can you uh, just quickly, or, or I mean, not quickly. We've got we we uh, I'm I'm used to saying that we've got all the time that we need tonight. But um, you know. What just what does this
1: bill do? This bill expands the definition of riots, and what it really boils down to is this bill will criminalize protected First Amendment activities. Uh, if you, if you go out and you protest, and a police officer sees somebody do something, um, that he doesn't like, basically, he could arrest pretty much everybody involved. This is this is a Blank check for unconstitutional arrests. Um, <clears throat> worst case scenario with this, with this bill, and this is, this is no exaggeration, if somebody is at a protest where somebody else that they are not involved with in any way interferes with the operations of a police dog that is, say, chewing somebody's face off, then that person can be arrested for rioting. That's how much of an overreach this bill is. And what you what we heard today was bill proponents say, "Well, this bill is not intended to do that, but that doesn't really matter because that's what it does anyway. Um, we have seen where relying on the best intentions of people who are given vast amounts of authority has led us, and it's led us to abuse inevitably
0: right right yeah, that I mean that's that, exactly right. It's so important that, you know, th- this is exactly the same thing that they said with SB30. They said, oh, this isn't intended to protect bad actors. This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't intended to uh, encourage businesses to forego the safety concerns of their employees. This is intended to tie to uh, health guidelines. But the fact of the matter is it does do those things it It, it did in fact encourage employers to um, uh, you know to forego safety concerns. it didn't in all places of the bill in it, it, uh, call to health regulations it just it just didn't do that so you know the, the intentions uh, it, it's important to for folks to understand that the intentions or the stated intentions of the legislators don't really matter that much. It's what's in the bill. What is in the bill? And so if if you find yourself talking to somebody and they say, oh, well, they didn't mean that, well, ask them why they're backtracking to, oh, what do they mean? Ask them what is actually in the bill? And, and, and you know, do, are you willing to defend what is in the bill and what this vi- what this bill will do? That's the important question. I, I Right, Dev?
1: Oh, absolutely. The you can have all the best intentions in the world but if you pass a bill that enables massive law enforcement abuse of people for exercising their first amendment rights that doesn't matter at all right right the reality on the ground is what matters
0: right and 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 so you know one of the things that this bill would do is is it would uh amend the crimes of riot and inciting to riot uh and would establish the crimes of aggravated riot and unlawful traffic interference. This is going to uh, increase the penalties for traffic interference, and it would include a mandatory period of incarceration uh, to serve that is not subject to probation or parole. That's a mandatory minimum for, uh, for, for stopping traffic. That... That's just, I mean, it's just, it's wild. Uh, Talk about some of the things that it it, it said about defunding the police in in this bill. Uh,
1: I thought that actually uh, Representative Marika Coleman gave a great breakdown of why that is a major problem, especially for some of the smaller municipalities in the state. Um, The bill would allow people to, to sue. It would basically abolish sovereign immunity for situations where the, the government of a municipality in question had cut police department funding by uh, 10% in a year without transferring that over to like community policing, without just transferring it basically with the same, within the same field. Uh, and Representative Coleman brought up a point that she's got some, in her, in her district has some really tiny cities, uh, like Brighton, Lipscomb, places like that, with just a few hundred folks in them. And if they get hand-me-down cruisers from, you know, over the mountain cities that don't, don't use them anymore and, and accordingly don't have to pay that amount in a year, then their, their municipal governments could be subject to lawsuits based solely on the fact that they got hand-me-down police equipment. It's, Th- this bill is rife with unintended consequences on top of the intended ones. Um, I-, I thought Representative Coleman was was kind of kind in her characterization of this bill, because I-, I think the biggest problem with this is not the unintended consequences. The biggest problem with this bill is the intended consequences. This bill is structured to punish protest. Right. Right.
0: And, um, other, uh, oh, no. What were you going to say?
1: Uh, otherwise you wouldn't have a mandatory 48-hour hold of bail which is longer than people get for a, a lot of violent crimes uh, where there's a victim involved and not just an inconvenience of people who are, who are trying to stifle dissent
0: right the mandatory talk, talk some more about the mandatory 48-hour bail what what is that specifically what does that mean what are the consequences of that in a person's life and and um what is that being changed from if that, if that um, makes sense like what was the standard quo before and 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 then explain the forty eight hour bill
1: What we saw a lot of the time over the over the 2020 protest and, and even more uh, even a little farther back than that was people getting arrested uh, again for perfectly constitutionally protected protesting going down and posting bond immediately getting out. Um, when you look at a 48 hour hold not everybody can say you know i'm going to use my phone call to call my lawyer up and have him contact my secretary to tell them i won't be in for two days people are going to lose their jobs because of this people are going to be ruined financially because of the because of the desire to stifle their dissent and this bill is structured to do that. It's not an unintended consequence. It's a way, it's a way to silence people.
0: Right. And, and you said that, uh, the mandatory 48 hour bail, that's not even something that is instituted for violent crimes.
1: Yeah, there are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of situations where somebody can bond out basically immediately. Uh, your, your standard assault. Yeah. You're, they're going to get out in a hurry. Uh, and right now, uh, with, Right now, in a lot of cases, they're getting out on signature bonds for it. Uh, People are going and getting booked and released immediately because of COVID concerns. Um, And this bill just doesn't have any regard for the actual situation on the ground or for the lives of the people that it would criminalize unfairly.
0: Right. I mean, that's. It, it, it's it's so wild to me that the the answer in the mind of, of so many of these legislators is always criminalize, increase uh, penalties, hold people in cages for longer uh, when we have the highest uh, America has the highest incarceration rate in the world, and I believe that Alabama is uh, you know at least in the top half of the American incarceration rate. I mean, it's, it's the we need to be doing all that we can to decrease the number of people in our prisons. And here we are faced with a non-issue, and they're trying to solve the non-issue with more bodies in cages. I mean, it, it just, I, you know, I think it speaks to the kind of the, the authoritarianism that is really rife in, in, in the Republican Party.
1: Well, it, it definitely is an authoritarian bill and it's an authoritarian bill specifically in a situation where the state of Alabama is already in major trouble. Uh, how do you, like, I'll tell you how I think. I, I think if I am a department of justice lawyer and I see the state pass a bill that says, well, we're going to, we're going to put people in in these prisons that are at 170, 180% capacity for constitutionally protected activity, then I'm going to bring the hammer in the federal lawsuit that is already underway for prison abuses. Alabama's prisons are a horror show and this bill just leverages those abusive practices to punish people further.
0: Can you talk some more about the defunding the police? bit? Because my understanding is that this would, so, there are two there are are two planks in the kind of anti defund the police part of this bill the first is that it disqualifies uh, people uh municipalities that quote defund the police they are disqualified from a lot of state aid and things like that so that's the first part and the second part is like you said the people that Quote defund the police. They can be held civilly liable for um, violent crimes that ostensibly happen as a result of the uh, as a result of the defunding. You know, if, if such crimes were to occur, can you like talk talk about those two planks and 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 how they feed into each, o- each other and what some of the consequences of those would be?
1: Sure, sure. Um, specifically, too, I, I, I'll point out that the the causation element of the of the liability shield raising is, is pretty is, is a problem on its own. Uh, somebody being able to show that defunding a police department led to a violent crime being perpetrated against them is, is just it, it's it's an absurdity and they're not going to be able to show that. Um, specifically, too, uh the issues that that arise with a lot of governmental services are are because of inadequate funding in the first place. So when you talk about threatening to withhold, say, community development block grant funds from a city that is already, in the case of a Brighton or Lipscomb, really hard up and has has been dealing with financial problems for a long time, or or a Fairfield, or you know a any, uh, there, there are any number of small rural communities that would be devastated with, with the loss of federal fund or federal pass-through to state funding in the case of the CBDG. So none of this is good policy. Uh, there, there is no policy reason to do this. It doesn't make anything better for anyone. Uh, it doesn't alleviate any of the legitimate concerns that people were protesting about in the first place. All it does is try to punish people into not protesting government inaction in the first place.
0: Right. And, and you know, I mean, it, it's so silly, like you said, the actually um, proving a causal link between the defunding of, of a police department and uh, an individual crime is going to be virtually impossible, but if we were to open the door to uh, to whatever this is, uh, you know, um, to <laughs> suing lawmakers for the results of the laws that they make, I mean, <laughs> you know... W- w- the- the lawsuits that a lot of these legislators would be facing would be huge. I mean, if they set this precedent, I mean, the the we can just look at the poverty rate in different parts of the state, and that can easily be linked to things like infant mortality, uh, things like life expectancy, uh, things like crime, and 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 you know the list goes on and on and on and. They are, they are directly responsible for this, and people on the left rightly point that out, that, you know, our politicians, the, the, the things that our society is struck, the way that our society is structured is a choice. Poverty is a choice, and uh, that, ha- that choice has real negative impacts on people's lives, and it, it can actually kill people. Uh, and, but, you know, politicians have never actually been... Held responsible for for that, they've never actually been you know put in prison or or been made to pay a fine for any of that kind of thing because of uh, uh you know like you said uh, the the sovereign immunity kind of thing, but um to to the first thing that you're going to open the create this precedent for being defunding police departments is just absurd because uh, nobody in this kind of fund the police, whatever the, the movement is, no one is saying, okay, cut, cut police funding and just burn the money. It's going to go towards, you know, the the, the plan, whether you like it or not, but the plan is to, uh, the, the thing that folks want to do is to cut some of the funding from police departments and steer that funding towards other things that are going to affect, actually, the root causes of crime and poverty in these neighborhoods and things like that. And, uh, you know, I mean... To open up the avenue for that policy decision to take away home rule, uh, to you know the the conservatives want to go on and on about states' rights, but when it when it happens, as soon as they only want states' rights when they don't control the federal government, and they want city rights when they don't control the state government, and you know it, 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 it's pretty clear that they don't want folks actually kind of you know making the rules where they live.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've seen this in the preemption fight that happened when Birmingham tried to raise the minimum wage a few years ago. The state just went ahead and preempted pretty much every positive worker uh, ordinance that a a city could pass. Um, This isn't about the role of government. This is about punishing people for dissent. This is about maintaining the current power structure as it exists with no changes.
0: Right. What were some of the other... uh some of the other objections, some of the democratic lawmakers put up against this. Uh,
1: the big one was a historical argument, I think, uh, from representative Coleman again, who said that if this bill passes, the folks who organized the bloody Sunday marches would be facing charges under it. And she's absolutely right. Um, this, this bill would criminalize Martin Luther King's activities. And you, you kind of see that, too, in, in a lot of the rhetoric that surrounded it. Uh, you, you, you heard uh, that this is a law and order bill. Well, that's, that's a longstanding trope um, that, that says this is an authoritarian bill that is meant to punish people. We heard uh, statements about outside agitators coming in. Uh, Lord knows there's an ugly history of that particular statement in, in Alabama politics. This is the same thought process that existed in the 1960s that is passing this bill. Um, and it's going to be just as harmful as it was in the 1960s. This is, right. this is born of a desire to keep people under the thumb of authoritarianism.
0: You, you said in your tweet thread, and, and I really recommend folks follow you. You are uh, at Dev Wakely on Twitter. You said uh, that this is unconstitutional. Why do you believe that it's actually unconstitutional?
1: Sure. Uh, it, it, not only is it bad policy, that there is simply no way that the notice requirement under this is, is met. That it, it is simply insufficient to meet due process requirements. You cannot know what is unpro- what is not protected activity under this, and that's the case with a lot of these sort of public order uh, crimes, uh, disturbing the peace, riot, unlawful assembly a lot of them have an element of judgment involved that is solely left up to the discretion of an arresting officer. Um, it doesn't allow anybody who's accused of it to know that what they have done might be criminal, might be criminalizable beforehand. Uh, and that's by design. That's it's to allow arresting officers the maximum possible discretion. And if you do that,
0: so what, what specifically is it that, that, uh, uh, that officers would have that discretion over? What, what are you pointing to in the bill that, that officers would have discretion over that uh, folks wouldn't know was a crime uh, beforehand? What are you pointing to there? Uh,
1: I will, I'll point out the word tumultuous uh, in there. That is not a legal term of art. Uh, as far as I know, it is not defined anywhere in Alabama case law. I could be wrong about that, but even if I am wrong about that, Does that provide enough notice to uh, to a citizen who is protesting? Absolutely not. Uh, it's, It's clearly unconstitutional.
0: So that the bill I didn't I didn't see that the bill outlaws tumultuous activity.
1: The definition of riot is a tumultuous disturbance in a public place or penal institution by five or more persons assembled together and acting with a common intent, which create and there's a lot more weasel language in here too, uh, which creates uh, a grave danger, again, subjective, of substantial damage, subjective, to public, private, or other property, I don't know what other property would be, or serious, subjective, bodily injury to one or more persons, or substantially subjective, obstructs a law enforcement or other government function.
0: So these are all or statements. Is that right? Yeah. So you can be arrested for tumultuous activity or substantial damage or serious injury.
1: Well, you can be arrested, but you can be arrested for a tumultuous disturbance that that creates grave danger or damage to property or or injury or government obstruction. Um, and you can do you can be arrested for that, even if you didn't do anything. Um, I could be arrested. Uh, I, I did a little legal observing. I could easily have been arrested for that. Um, under this, under this statute, David Guspas for the national lawyers guild came up and said, look, I, I could be criminalized for the activities that we do. And we don't, and NLG legal observers don't do anything except observe.
0: What did they say to that?
1: Nothing. <laughs> nobody, nobody asked David a question, not one <laughs> should have, should have. The man has a long history of, of, of being around these exact sorts of legal issues, but they were going to pass this out. Uh, as best as they could, without hope, with hoping that they didn't get any real pushback on it. Thankfully, the pushback was significant and and brought a lot of these issues up. Right,
0: right, yeah. That uh, you know that that really didn't happen with SB thirty, and that's one of the reasons that it was able to go through without a hitch. I mean, it it was like uh, it, the pace was just kind of staggering that SB thirty went through. Uh, and it was because it was kind of a foregone conclusion, and I, um, you know, this doesn't this doesn't seem to me to feel that way. It seems it seems like there was a lot more pushback from Democrats and from um, from outside parties than there was on SB thirty. Is that? Am I kind of reading that? Because the SB30 was never amended. Like, it was, you know, you can go back and watch our interview with Robin Hyden where she pointed out, like, this bill is not consistent. This bill would obviously uh, um, be a trigger for bad, bad actors. This bill is obviously going to have unintended consequences. And our trial, t- trial attorneys that we've talked to have said that this could potentially give a uh, blanket immunity to people uh, in cases where their employees get COVID. And all of these things the, were pointed out to lawmakers and there were no amendments at all. It never went back to subcommittee. And this one did. Am I, am, am, am I reading that maybe that this bill's in a bit of trouble or, um, you know, what, what, do you think, what do you think the politics are of it, uh, of it moving forward? I,
1: I, think, I think you're right in your assessment. Uh, I, I called 30 the greasiest pig in the statehouse this year. Uh, it was hard to get a hold of at all. Uh, people were going to pass that bill as, as quickly as they could. And I've got to give the sponsor credit on this one. At least he was listening to what Chris England and Marika Coleman said. Uh, they they brought up a lot of the real problems with this bill. And at least he wasn't sitting back folding his hands, saying, yeah, well, we got the votes anyway. Um, I, I think there are going to be changes made to this bill. Um and, it, and when these changes are made to this bill, it will still be a bad bill. Hmm. Um, but it might, like, if it is completely torn down and rebuilt from the ground up, it might not be unconstitutional. Uh, and it might not be a, a transparent vehicle for abuse the way it is right now. Um, this is a terrible criminal justice bill. Uh, It will continue to be a terrible criminal justice bill. Um, Mandatory minimums minimums are always an awful decision, and no no government no government should ever implement them in any circumstance. But it could be made a lot better, and I think it actually will be improved somewhat.
0: What are the mandatory minimums that
1: are in the bill? Um, The mandatory minimums are I think three and six months. that cannot be subject. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And those are, those are for the felonies too. So those are going to go to either state prisons or uh, maybe to community corrections. Um, And and so
0: what are those for
1: uh, aggravated? Let's see. I think it was, uh, I think that was aggravated riots and uh, assault on a first responder. First degree, if I remember correctly.
0: An aggravated ride is defined how? Uh,
1: let's see. I'm looking for that definition actually. I always hate to pull that up offhand. Uh,
0: oh, no worries, no worries.
1: Okay, the aggravated riot provision is if there is um, if there's bodily injury involved to one or more persons, but much like a lot of felonious transfer transfer of intent provisions, that could also include protesters. So if police beat the living daylights out of protesters, well somebody has experienced uh, bodily injury and significant bodily injury. So somebody could be subject to an aggravated riot charge for the actions of the people that they are protesting against. Really? Under this bill. Yeah. Uh,
0: how does that work? I'm sorry. Explain that again.
1: So a person commits a crime of aggravated riot, if he or she knowingly pr- participates in a riot. So if they're, if they're involved with six buddies who are out protesting and the police sick a police dog on one of them and somebody shoves that police dog off. Well, there you've got your interference with a, uh, with a governmental operation from the police dog and somebody is significantly injured uh, because the police dog attacked them. Well, not the person who is like, not even the person who actually shoved the dog off, but the person standing next to the person who shoved the dog off the face of their friend, is subject to an aggravated riot charge under this standard,
0: and presumably, this bill isn't going to be used to prosecute police officers who um, who wrongfully attack protesters.
1: No, no, no. No police officer will ever face charges under this bill, and everybody knows it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, I you know, the reason that I ask that I know somebody that. Um, I know the person, I'm I'm sure you saw the leg that was, like, ripped open from the Huntsville protests. It went all around social media um, early in June. I know that guy. Uh, I actually went to high school with him, and he couldn't walk right for, you know, like, for months. And, of course, the the cop that did that to him isn't going to face charges. Um, Of course, the cop that uh, actually did the only property damage in Huntsville, there was a window that was broken by... Um, what uh, everybody, uh, what all accounts point to it, it being a stray bullet from the cops uh, instead of any actually protester action. There was a broken window in downtown Huntsville. Of course, the cops aren't going to be arrested for that, uh, and the protesters. We <laughs> we all raised two thousand dollars to pay for an eight hundred uh, dollars damages that we didn't do <laughs> that the cops did, but you know, of course, we we covered it because uh, and 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 you know. It, but under this bill, we could be charged for that.
1: Yeah, you, you probably would be under this bill, um, and they could charge everyone too. Everybody there.
0: And I'm so are there any? Are are there any like any other? Parts of the bill that you want to bring out or any other arguments that, that you want to uh, that, that you want to bring out of this bill uh, that, that arguments that were posed from Democrats or maybe from the National Lawyers Guild or anything like that?
1: I, I think we've covered a lot of um, pretty much all, all the ground on it. We've, we've talked about how there's really no standard here at all. There are no restrictions on any law enforcement. Um, they, they can do basically whatever they want here. They can even instigate violence and then arrest people for being at the protest where they instigated violence. That's, that's a major flaw. Uh, the, the punishment. Uh, if if you track the, the extreme case on this, uh, then, then you just see how totally absurd it is. I'll just, I'll just kind of spin, spin a situation here. So cop with a dog, cop with a horse, whatever animal. Um, somebody stands in front of the dog, prevents it from attacking somebody. Somebody is standing next to them uh, at the protest, there to give people rides, or even a medic. A medic would be charged under this bill. So, somebody's attacked. Their friend takes them over to the medic. The medic treats them, just put some gauze on, whatever. Medic gets arrested. Uh, for violent, uh, for for aggravated riot because of violence that the police officer instigated with his dog on a protester. According to the provisions of this bill, um, granted it is unconstitutional. Uh, according to the provisions of this bill, that medic who treated the victim of the police violence would then go to state prison for a mandatory three-month minimum sentence. And you think, well, you think if you bring this situation up in the hearing, you're like, what? A lot of the bill proponents would say, well, no, no, that would not happen. But that could happen under this bill. That is what this bill allows. And that is the extent of the abuse that is that is endorsed on, under this bill as it is. It's, it's absurd. But it's not absurd because it's not true. It's absurd because somebody put forth a bill with this horror in it.
0: So, let let's talk a little bit about the backstory. If you if, if you feel um, good talking about that, because I, I'm, I'm I'm interested in uh, your knowledge on Alabama's response to the uh, to the protests over the summer. Because what you hear, and, and you know, the reason the reason that I'm so angry is, is that, that because we're on a conservative talk so, talk radio station on Saturdays, I have listened to, uh, I've been listening to it more often uh, just to kind of get an understanding of what our listeners on Saturday hear throughout the week. And um, the way, I mean, it, it's it's really frankly pissing me off the degree to which this has been misrepresented on that station. It's really, really, I'm, I'm very angry because the way that it's been presented, to, I, I was always against it. But the way that it was presented to me is that if you do violence, if you break property, this increases the penalties. That is the only thing that they've been saying on this station uh, that, uh, that this bill does. And and we've just gone over how it goes above and beyond that in completely different areas of law, in completely different areas of life, uh, and, and, and then goes above and beyond it in those... I mean, it's it, It's absurd. But the reason that they say this is necessary, the reason that they're pushing this bill, is they say Alabama's um, response to the uh, Alabama's response to the protests over the summer was lenient. How do you feel? How do you feel about that characterization of Alabama's uh, law enforcement response to the protests?
1: Uh, it is transparently untrue. Um, there were a lot of the protests I, I was not at. Uh, I wasn't at anywhere near, near as many as a lot of other people were. Um, I didn't organize any of them, but I observed some of them. Um, generally, I was, at, I was at kind of calmer protests where there weren't arrests made. But um, even so, um, there was a massive law enforcement presence. And I'm pretty sure that, that some folks have warrants out from those communities, uh, including you know my good old hometown of Gardendale, not known for its you know, <laughs> tendency to stay within the law in a lot of situations. Um, but especially in Hoover, you saw massive law enforcement abuses of protesters. You saw, you saw police funnel protesters on two highways so they could then arrest them. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, uh, you saw, you saw police just r- routinely seek not to protect people's First Amendment's right right to protest, but to find an excuse to arrest people and, and to make their their day much harder. And if you give police an a, a tool to let them lock somebody up for forty eight hours, or to test a lie on the stand and say that. Well, this this person was participating in this right in a substantial way, or to mischaracterize what the what the protest was about in the first place, then they're going to take it. Um, there, there's nobody out there who's going to say that every police officer at these protests is a good actor. Nobody's going to say that, not even the most not even the most pro law enforcement legislators out there. And if you give some, if you, if you give Massive authority with no check on it to armed people who were hired to arrest folks, they're going to use it and they're going to find a way to use it. And that way isn't going to comport with constitutional requirements. And we all know that by now we've seen the videos. So saying that, that the response was lenient is like, does that? I guess that boils down to saying that the police didn't kill anybody at these protests because they sure arrested a lot of folks for protesting.
0: Well, the thing that they so the thing that 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 I, I heard a lot was, oh, they would arrest people and then they would get right out. They would get bailed out immediately and then they would face no consequences at all after that, and every and their life would go back to normal. And we've got to actually, you know, people that act that that actually damage property or hurt people, we've actually got to, you know, uh, you know. Uh, inflict a harm in their lives. They can't just be arrested and then and then be bailed out. What? How do you feel about that, claim? It
1: It's it's fundamentally at odds with the way that an arrest actually works. If you get arrested, it's not a good time. It's not it's not a, a funny story to tell people. It's not a, a badge that you've got to check off. It's a significant detriment to you. And if you're arrested in some of these communities, it's not going to matter whether or not you did anything in the first place. Like This is this – is, to sit there and say that, that people should be spending you know, 48 hours in jail on the raw accusation of law enforcement who has demonstrated hostility to the idea of protesting in the first place because a lot of these protests are about them – is, is
0: yeah, and really broken. quick, yeah. Well, really quick on that. I mean, we had a the labor council here in North Alabama. We had a rally uh, in uh, June, June twentieth, I believe it was. We had a rally, labor for Black Lives, and uh, somebody has found the local police officers' kind of secret chat. Channel radio channel that they just talk over, and you could hear them during the rally talking about how uh, they wanted to shoot us with their sim guns. I mean, you know, I mean, there was uh, the <clears throat> the hatred of any of of any criticism that they face is. It was, I mean, it was just dripping. I mean, really, you could tell how much they, and, and, and the criticism of the police there was very, very light. It was, you know, these were not radicals. These were, you know, uh, just working folks who are, uh, you know, leaders in their unions, members of their unions, talking about the need for criminal justice reform and police reform. Uh, this, this was not a bunch of, anarchists and communists calling about uh, for the abolition of the state or the abolition of police or anything like This was very milk toast kind of stuff, and they were talking about how, oh, you know, I, I, I wish we could shoot them, and, and somebody jumped in and said, with our SIM guns, and, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like... It's, it was, it's, it's crazy. And so to give the folks that are, are joking ostensibly about wanting to shoot us with less than lethal weapons, which can very easily turn into lethal weapons if, if they're close enough, if they hit in the right place, you know, to give them this kind of leeway is frankly absurd. But, you know, I, I just wanted to put that out there because it's amazing that that... That got no coverage we uh, you know we tweeted that out, folks did, and um, it got some it got some amount of of um, you know some folks saw it on Twitter, but like no local news has talked about it i mean it's just completely no nobody has has said anything at all about it 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 It, it really boggles the mind
1: yeah. that's that's actually an element that that representative England talked about too is that enabling this this sort of authoritarian overreach is not the way to, to build a, a community relationship with with police um, and though like those union members who are out there protesting for, for for black lives would probably be okay with police reform they're probably not calling for police abolition but this bill is the exact opposite of accountability uh, it, it removes what little bit of accountability is is there and it actually makes, it, it makes people easily punished for daring to question police activities in the first place.
0: So when folks are arrested. Um and they're bailed out can you talk a little bit more about what happens there uh, if you've got very much knowledge there because you know again the way that it's presented on the radio is you get arrested you get bailed out nothing else happens and and i guess they drop the charges or whatever i mean what what's that process look like but after you get you know after you get arrested and then you get bailed out what happens after that
1: then you're you're set with a court date, and you have to find somebody to fight those charges against you, um, or or try to go it alone, which I certainly would not recommend. Um, there are often pro bono attorneys who are willing to take these cases on because a lot of these ca- I mean, let's be honest here, pretty much all these cases are garbage. Um, they're they're overcharged again to punish people, and not because there's any element of a crime present. Um, <clears throat> So people are set with a court date that they have to show up for and they've got to shell out money for an attorney in a lot of situations uh, if they can't get a pro bono attorney to cover it. And they pay that, uh, they show up and a lot of times immediately the charges are dropped. You get, you get an attorney because, because a lot of these municipalities know there's no reason to be charging these people with anything. So if you enable a 48-hour bail hold on people, what you do is get that last little bit of punishment in that's not really a judicially approved punishment. You just get to hurt people a little bit more. Right,
0: right, right. Do you have any numbers on uh, how many people were arrested in Alabama? Uh, how many people were actually ultimately charged? Anything like that? Does Alabama Rise have any of that?
1: I don't. Sorry.
0: Do you know anybody that that would potentially?
1: I would actually recommend. Um, reaching out to the Alabama Alabama rally against injustice and to uh, Satura Dudley, uh, who actually spoke to today on the bill uh, as well. Um, she would probably have pretty good numbers on that, especially over in Hoover where she was arrested, in fact.
0: So what should people do?
1: You should call your legislators up and tell them that, this bill has no point this bill should not be passed period not just if it's as is but at all this bill should not pass even if it is amended to strip the worst provisions out of it because there are already laws on the books against riot there are already laws that prevent bodily harm to people there are already laws that prevent harassment um and using social unrest that is because of police abuse and an inequitable society to reach for an authoritarian power grab is, is unjustifiable both empirically and morally. So call your legislators, tell them not to pass this at all.
0: All right. Uh, So Dev, where can folks find you? and find Alabama arise and find more information about what are, are there any good policy analysis articles on this, uh, on this legislation that, that you know, of?
1: Um, not a lot of in depth stuff yet. I think, I think the ACLU might have something out. Uh, they've been opposing this one pretty hard as well. Alabama ACLU, um, we, we send out action alerts on this bill. Um, They're they're usually fairly quick, uh, easily digestible points. So if if you want to know what bills are coming down the pipeline in terms of criminal justice, uh, go to our website, alrise.org, and sign up for action alerts. Uh, You can also become a member. We'd love to have you. But definitely make sure to sign up for those action alerts. Uh, We can target them at legislators in your district, tell you who to call, uh, the message on what the bill is, what it does and why you should oppose it or support it. Uh, we send out action alerts on good bills too. So follow us at alrize.org or on Alabama RI's Twitter and Facebook, and I am also on Twitter at Dev Wakely.
0: Dev, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, that that was that that was a lot of good information. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us. And like you said, I I have just been uh, this legislative session. I've been I've been paying attention maybe more than I, than I have in the past, but uh, I am constantly the the first folks on the scene, so to speak. It's always Alabama arise, people. The first people that I got. I didn't even know that you were with Alabama arise until I uh, looked you up to to get you on the show tonight. And so you know, <laughs> so and, and you know, I knew that Robin was when I got her on the show. But it's just yeah, first folks on the scene, people with the best analysis, uh, really. It, Good folks can't recommend them enough. Definitely uh, check out their work for sure.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here
0: tonight. Yep, absolutely. Dev, yep, thank you so much. So, um... Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, We've been talking to Deb Wakeley with Alabama Arise, and this is, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Make sure you tune in. This weekend, we're going to be talking to Vonda McDaniel. She is the president of the Nashville Central Labor Council. They are trying to push, uh, put right to work in the state constitution in uh, Tennessee. So we're going to be talking to her about that. Um, and, uh, if you want to support the show, you can support us on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report, or you can get yourself a nice union made Valley Labor Report hat on our website, thevalleylaborreport.org.